0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 287. In this episode, we do our thoughts about Inbound 2022. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig?
1: Really well, and a bit of a different format for today's episode because I'm actually going to interview you, Ian, on your thoughts around Inbound 22. We didn't intend in person, we attended online. And you've watched a lot more of the sessions than me. So I know almost nothing about it except some takeaways and a few little bits. And so I'm really interested to get your thoughts and I'm sure our listeners will as well. So let's go through the agenda first of all.
0: So we're going to talk about the format. And I think we've discussed this last year or the year before as well, the theme about connectedness. We'll look at some topics that came up about data confidence and communities and even
1: privacy, actually, and some takeaways and what your next steps are. All right. Well, first of all, let's talk about the format. I wanted to get your thoughts on this because this was the first time they actually did a hybrid, which means there was in-person plus online. Of course, the last couple of years have all been online due to COVID, and years before that were all in-person. So this was the first time that was back in-person and combining that with online was a pretty big call. What were your thoughts, in on how it felt, In the particular rooms, big stage versus small, and overall how well did you feel like that emotion of actually being part of it?
0: Well, Craig, I think having been to Inbound quite a few times, I always felt like when you saw people on the stage and you could hear the music starting, kind of felt like you were there. Now, if you had never been to Inbound, I don't know whether you'd get the same feeling. So I quite liked that aspect of it. It felt like I was there, but not there. And even the other sessions that were in other rooms that were being broadcast as well, I thought that was really well done. Content was great, right? But it felt like you've said before, I could be watching YouTube and I could get that same information. Now, the big difference is there was some interaction, so people could ask questions, you could upload questions, they had a bit of Q and a time, so often they'd have about five minutes of Q and a so you could actually get some feedback and get some answers to questions so that was that was a nice part about it. and I thought the platform worked really well, so not too bad. It didn't feel like it was hurried or busy. Now, I think there are probably things that were in person that were not online. So I kind of sometimes feel oh, I miss some stuff like there were some people I want to listen to and I can't find any of their talks online. So I guess that's the part that I'm a bit disappointed about because I'd want to still see
1: those talks as a registered attendee, but didn't get to see that this time. I think it's really interesting to compare the in-person experience. I was watching some of them on demand. I didn't watch them live. I know you actually got up early Australian time to watch some of them live. I actually watched them later. And I think it's interesting when you compare to YouTube, I'm so used to YouTube now, that efficiency and that production quality that you get with, well, a lot of the videos I watch on YouTube, the quality is high, the editing is very tight. So there's an efficiency of content consumption that you can appreciate. And of course, you don't get that, but in person, that doesn't matter. And I think that was my observation. It's kind of like, if I were there, this would be fine, but watching it online... I was impatient. Did you feel any of that? Or was it that nostalgia, that kind of relatability that you've been there before that made it okay for you?
0: I definitely think that there was nostalgia there. So I could almost picture myself in the room, even though I wasn't there. I do think that some of the other sessions, like you said, I did watch it on demand. So day one, I kind of survived uh, staying up. Day two, I crashed and I think I made one session. That was it. And day three, I watched some of it live and some I didn't. But I've gone back and actually watched a lot on demand. So you're right. I have been speeding things up. You know, we love our little speeded it up player <laughs> that we use on our browsers. And so that's what we've been doing. So I've, I have been appreciating that, to get the slides and go through it. So that's how we've done it. And so listeners, if you subscribe to the show notes, you will probably see a lot of the slides A lot of them I took on live sessions. I took screenshots of the particular sessions, which was actually really useful coming back to it and just having a little memory of it. I I know over the last many inbounds, all the photos we've taken and they often come up, Craig. And so they are great reminders over time how those little changes or the things we've learned and we've implemented have actually helped us in our businesses and our journey along with HubSpot.
1: All right, let's talk about the theme of the keynotes especially, but also this was a, th- a theme of the whole event, connectedness and disconnect. So let's just first about the problem and then we're going to dive into Yamini's presentation first. But here's where they positioned it. This is from the HubSpot.com slash new page. They talk about disconnect, customers are disconnected, data and people are disconnected. Let's chat about Yamini's... Opening keynote. What were your thoughts from that uh, and takeaways? And I'll jump through some of the screenshots you took actually live as we were going through.
0: Yeah, so I think it was really interesting. They've done some sort of survey, so a bit, they've got a lot, we've got a large customer base at HubSpot, right? So, what's the biggest pain point for your business? And the biggest thing that cropped up was the disconnected systems and data that people were finding, followed by difficulty to engage prospects, growth slowing down decreasing organic traffic, ineffective buying processes. And I think like over the last two years, a lot of people heard had to adapt and change. A lack of communication collaboration between teams. I thought that was interesting. And a lack of depth in customer relationships. And maybe this is that last one and the first one are probably two that maybe go together hand in hand. So I thought it was quite interesting in terms of those lists of responses that people were giving. So here's some interesting stats. 60% of CRM data goes unused, which I thought was really interesting because that's a statistic that they'd obviously pull quite easily from uh, all the data that's within HubSpot. 40% of all ops time is spent cleaning and preparing data. There's another interesting stat. And 3% of companies have data that meets basic quality standards. And I thought, that's a very low number.
1: I guess we don't know the actual source of these results, but let's just assume that the trends are representative. I I guess we can relate to it. Most of our listeners could relate to it. I feel that the middle stat, 40% of ops time is spent cleaning and preparing data. That's a significant piece. My takeaway was it's back to basics. This whole theme, and in fact, the whole event or product announcements are back to basics because we're not talking about AI, we're not talking, although I'm sure there were topics and sessions that cover that. Not talking about AI, we're not talking about virtual reality, we're not talking about all these newfangled things, we're not talking about, in fact, even video and trends there. We're just talking about the basic problems that businesses, large and small, have had for decades and continue to have. It's these foundational pieces. And when we talk about a CRM, managing customer relationships, it's broken. And we know from our years of experience working with clients, it is. Data is so problematic. People want to report on attribution. You can't report on attribution accurately unless you've got data and connections in place to give you reliable data. And so this 40% of time, cleaning and preparing data, it just rings true as a big problem and also a big cost. And I think that was the first disconnect thing. My takeaway, is that where you felt that Yamini was going?
0: Correct. And I think like, if we just look at this next part where she talks about people say they need more data, but they actually need more context around the data. Mm-hmm. They need more content, whereas they actually need more connection. And then uh, where they need more context, they actually need more community. And I think this ties it all together nicely in the presentation about context, connection, and community.
1: That's right. We're going to talk about community a little bit later when it comes to Dharmesh's session. But yeah, this is the summary. This is also from HubSpot dot com slash new where they look at this problem and HubSpot's here to help. And we finish up with this nice little slide here. Do you want to talk to this slide? Get the show notes, people. If you go to hubshots.com slash subscribe and get all the show notes, but this is on their uh, slash new page. It's really their representation of the commerce powered CRM, isn't it?
0: That's right. And I thought it was really interesting, Craig. We've got all the hubs and so they call that the connected applications And I guess what we've known as a HubSpot CRM platform has now been branded the commerce-powered CRM because of payments going into that. And I think, you know, you've got your data reporting, automation, content and messaging. So that was the connected platform part. And then there was the connected community part, which they talked about the network, the marketplace and the academy all fitting into that. So they've kind of, I guess slice this
1: pie up into three things to do with applications, platform, and community. I really like this diagram. I want to make a few comments and get your thoughts whether I'm being unreasonable. So this is, I don't want this to be a criticism, but I want this to be a question. They've called it the commerce powered CRM. And I think it's really good that we're seeing these payment functional points popping up throughout the product. I think that's really good. However, two comments. One is this was announced last year at Inbound and outside the US, we still don't have it. Mm. So I find it frustrating that I see this popping up. It's in our sales menu. It's uh, in forms. There's all these areas where I see payments, but I can't use it. I try to connect where in Australia and we can't. And this is a year later. And I'm frustrated for two reasons. One, that I'm seeing it and I can't use it a year later. But second, that it's announced so early and yet we still can't use it. And so I'm wondering, what's the problem? Following on from that, and, and uh, you respond to this, Ian, whether I'm being unfair because maybe it was mentioned or, or catered for in some of the sessions, but I feel that for a conference that was aiming to be global, in-person and online, you've got people from all around the world attending. They're talking about these features, but actually only the US can use them. There's a limitation there. It's, a, just, a, it's just a US-centric thing. Now, I'm hoping It rolls out next week and I, you know, I look back and laugh at how silly I was to criticize. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's still a while off and I find that frustrating and this is taking time. So first talk to that and then I've got another comment that I want to get your thoughts on as well. Was there any comment on that? I think they did mention, I recall, that it is
0: taking a lot longer than expected and I don't know what to do with jurisdictions and the different, I guess, parts that they're playing in globally. I tend to agree with you, Craig, after we lost some of the functionality out of the sales tool where we could uh, accept payments on products, not having that and waiting for this has been very frustrating for me because it was, it worked so well, right? So I kind of was thinking, well, why did I lose something and it's taken so long to even get to this place? So it is frustrating. I have, I share that frustration because I used that functionality before. Mm. Now yes, there are other tools you can go and use, but you know, do I want to connect another another tool to correct payments? Not really, because I re- would love to use what HubSpot has because of its integration, right? And its seamlessness of use from what I can understand and hear
1: from people that are using it. So that raises my next point, which is because this commerce powered CRM, it's not a new idea. There's plenty of tools that have this baked in. And in fact, most of them are at the, at the small business end. If we think of ConvertKit and Infusionsoft's had it for years Correct. and plenty of other tools, maybe they're not enterprise CRMs, but they're small business CRM marketing automation platforms. They've had a lot of this already and you just connect PayPal, you connect Stripe and you're good to go. You can have products, ConvertKit's great. You can actually just have a product library. You can actually just drag it as a module straight into an email. Here's a product, here's our store, right? So it's, it's it is actually quite slick in the way it does it, And I kind of see some of these things, so I'm like, oh, great, HubSpot's catching up. But the differentiator, and you've mentioned it here, is how seamless it is. Because with some of these other tools, it isn't as seamless. And I'm really keen to see that. It's kind of like innovation. People think innovation is a new idea. Actually, no, it's just an idea that could have been around for a while, implemented beautifully. Electric cars, uh, well, the concept's been around 50, 60 years, but Tesla made it beautiful, Recently, so it's not a new idea. It's just an it's just an idea implemented incredibly well, and I think that's where HubSpot goes. They get an idea, not necessarily new, although perhaps they trumpet uh, trumpet it as a new idea, but they do it beautifully. That's why I'm really looking forward to this. I just I just wanted yesterday, Ian. <laughs> I know. Do you agree? I
0: certainly do hope that we get it sooner rather than later, yeah. Craig. Yeah. And you know, in talking about, let's go back to cars because mm. I love cars. Yeah. Like an experience that one of my friends had who wanted to buy a car. So he he really loved the Mustang growing up. So he, he was thinking, I'm going to buy a Mustang, right? So he went and drove it. It was like, yeah, it's nice. I like it. He went and drove, I think, a Mercedes SUV as well. And that was nice too. But his reaction after he drove the Tesla Model 3, he was like, wow, I am blown away. He couldn't stop talking about it. And literally he walked out of the test drive and within like the first half an hour, I think he placed an order, like no questions asked, like, I'm just going to order this. It was that kind of experience. And I think I would almost liken that to the experience people have with HubSpot, which we often take for granted, like, and just this week we've, we were onboarding a new customer and just the little things that we take for granted, they were like, wow, that's so easy. Oh, man, we just implemented something that would have taken weeks to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think we can live in this familiarity of how good it is and have a win sometimes. But I think when you look at it from the perspective of people who never used it, this is really good. So, you know, as much as we are complaining at times, we love the product, and we love what's coming in, so we're we're great advocates of it. Um, that's why we do it, and so yeah, so we are looking forward for what is ahead.
1: All right, let's move on to the second speaker. This is Stephanie Cuthbertson, who's actually the chief product officer at HubSpot now. So then, following from Yamanis' talk about disconnectedness as a kind of a concept, really, and a pain point, and how HubSpot's responding, then we actually had to look at some of the product details. This was my favorite part of the opening keynote, I have to say. Sorry, Damesh, (laughs) I really like the product pieces. That's why I'm I'm here. Let's chat about some of the things that she talked about, in particular around data confidence. First of all, what were your thoughts on her session and the product announcements?
0: Craig, I'm with you. That was probably the highlight out of those first three. And Damesh. Damesh was a close second there. But yes, you're right. Like I think there's a lot of things that they've addressed or highlighted which get addressed in the product, right? And that's what I like. It's like, hey, there's a problem here and we've got something to solve it with. So there was a lot there. I think I almost feel like things got a bit blurred because we've been beta testing stuff and then we see things. So we often go, oh, okay, that is new.
1: So what are some of the things you've picked up, Craig? Right. So again, you get the show notes, you get the screenshot, but this is again from their community site talking about some of the new data tools. And what I found interesting about this is that it's not interesting. Okay. I find it interesting that it's not interesting. Who cares about data? You know, people fall asleep. I was chatting with my team, actually, we're chatting about some of the things. I was saying, oh, I know this isn't particularly interesting. This is data issues. And Tara on the team goes, I love this stuff. This is actually what we need. And this is the thing. It's not exciting, but these is the fundamental problems that businesses are having. And so they've got a whole bunch of tools and beaters and functionality around cleaning data. Basically, when it comes in, making sure it's formatted well. I really like they've just got some tools. I'll give you an example of a simple tool. It basically says, oh, remove last name from the first name field and put it in the last name because quite often people fill in forms and you've got the first name the last name ends up in the first name field. They've just got a tool that cleans that up, right? This is simple stuff and yet it's so much of a time suck that gets spent trying to fix this. And then just creating tools. So this is what I really liked. And I'm sure a lot of people came out of this session thinking, oh, this is boring. I'm not that interested in data quality. I love this stuff because this is what big enterprises suffer under so much. And as you said, there's so many beaters here. We've got a bunch. By the way, here's a takeaway for people. Go to your actual product updates section. Down the left-hand side, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, you can sign up for the beaters and in the screenshot I've got an example of us we've subscribed to all the beaters actually that we possibly can and then on the right-hand side, just an example in deals, there's these new tabs and things that you can also get, so looking at data as well. So that's the takeaway as well as these tools you can sign up for the beaters but also just get extra visibility in your portal as well. I think you've enabled all of these as well, haven't you? Ian?
0: I sure have, Craig. We love beaters. We're often enrolling ourselves into beaters, I have to I have to admit. All
1: right. So the keynote finished with Darmesh. What did he talk about and what were your takeaways there? It all came down to connectedness, Craig. I think they've sold lots of things and now it's
0: about connectedness and community. Well, first of all, what's
1: community? What does community mean?
0: Community means where people can hang out together and feel like they belong somewhere. So even though I'm like, maybe we're not data nerds, which we could be, but someone like Tara could find her place in that community of people that she can relate to and be a part of, whereas we might be part of the same community, but we might have very different interests. So so I think what was interesting, like in this uh, slide that we're talking about now, this is how Damesh kind of brought what is called connect.com, which is the community that he's a part of, which looks like a rebranded, what was inbound.org to me, Craig, from many, many years ago. And it's very basic. It basically has people's profiles. So when we went there to be a part of the community, we were able to log in and just update our profile. So a lot of people might already have a profile, but if you go to connect.com, you'll see that this is what's interesting. In terms of what Damesh was talking about, In terms of HubSpot Connect or connect.com, it encompasses communities, apps, academy, which I thought was really interesting. That's also in this community part. Inbound, that was a part of community and then the marketplace as well. So all of these aspects, I'm assuming will end up on connect.com or be a part of it. Now, what I understand it to be, it seems very HubSpot focused, but I recall when he was talking, he mentioned it was for everybody. So even if you use other CRMs, other marketing platforms, you could still be a part of connect.com. And maybe that's the the wider picture of where they're heading with that.
1: All right. Let me ask you this then, Ian, because I was a little bit lost or I wasn't quite sure what the takeaway was from this session from Damesh. To recap very quickly for listeners that maybe haven't seen it, and we've got a link to it on YouTube, go and watch it. I, I really enjoyed it. He talked about back when he was uh, starting one of his degrees and he created a community. This is probably 20 years ago at his university. And he looked up, he was the admin and that's how he met Brian. And he mentioned a whole lot of the communities and places people hang out online. So it's not a new concept. And of course, that's why he made the point that this is decades old, this idea. And then he built on it and the benefits that it gave. So I got all that what I wasn't sure about was what's the guidance for us? Like what's the takeaway from us? Because a lot of us have groups that we're part, part of or run, uh, maybe on LinkedIn, Facebook groups, maybe we have our own websites. As people probably know, we've got a circle community, learning.hubshots.com that we're building. There's all of these things, but what was the guidance w- or what was your takeaway? What What are you going to do differently after Damesh's? presentation and if anything and for customers maybe not just you but for customers as well what's the recommendations
0: i think my biggest thing is that no matter how big or small it is you should be creating a community that is like an interest group for you or your customers right well should you create it if it already exists that is a good question Craig. and i don't know like i would say probably there'd be a yes and a no to that in terms of like we're not potentially going to create a community of people that we service as a business. We might actually tell them, go and be a part of the HubSpot community, right? Mm. Because there is a far greater breadth. But in terms of saying that, I could build community for our business through having monthly dinners, right? Mm. Where we have people in businesses turn up and they get to meet new people, they get to share ideas with each other. And that could be our way of community building, which might then extend into an online way, which might be a part of the greater HubSpot community. But that's how I would build community because that's the way
1: I'm kind of driven, right? So, Right. Okay, so I really like that. So the format, actually, the, the format you're thinking about is not an online community. It's almost an in-person community. And in some ways, Inbound has been that for the last 10 years because it's been an inbound, an in-person event. Correct. And that has been community. It doesn't have to be online. So it's like-minded people with common interests meeting together. But I'm still confused at what the takeaway was from Damesh's thing other than joinconnect.com, which we'll chat about in a second in a bit more detail. But, yeah, I just wasn't sure what I'd, what I'd do from that. So this is what
0: I'm thinking and this is how I connected the dots. I was mm-hmm. listening to Yamini to start and mm-hmm. how it was harder for, for them to – what they were seeing with customers, harder for customers to get in touch with their prospective audiences or their prospective people that they want to talk to, right? But in a community, and this is where I think it all ties together, in a community, even though I don't know you, but you might belong there, the propensity for you to have a conversation with me is far greater than if I didn't belong to that community. Do you know what I mean? Like we met each other because we were a part of the HubSpot community. And we attended the HubSpot user group event, right? Now, if we were not there or you had met me on the street or I reached out to you, you might go, oh, I don't really want to talk to that guy. Whereas in the community of a HubSpot user group, you're like, okay, well, Craig's here. Like he's clearly interested in HubSpot. You happen to be a partner. We are partners too. So we have something in common. So the conversation was able to be facilitated a lot quicker thanks to a mutual friend of ours. And I think that's, and that's really like, if I could stick it out together, I'd probably say that's probably it that they're trying to get at. How does it play out? I think that's what we're going to have to wait and see, but that's kind of what I am picturing in my head when I talk about community.
1: Okay. So if I can summarize, I think the takeaways that I'm uh, learning from you are one, join a community. So if the message was join a community of like-minded people, great, got it. And second, if the community with your interest doesn't exist, create it. So if there's a need for it and it's an unmet need, sure, create it. I was just slightly confused as to like, everyone should just create a community for the sake of creating community. And I'm kind of envisaging millions of communities with no one in them because you know there's only so many communities. It's almost like how many streaming services can you subscribe to? You get saturated after a while. Anyway, the last thing around connect.com. So yeah, I wasn't quite sure what this was, but you did mention it's probably like a rebranded inbound.org. But that confused me as well. I was like, I used to love inbound.org. And in fact, I'd put a lot of time into it before they closed it down. And so I was like, <laughs> there's slight pain associated with this, if that's what it is. But then I was like, well, let's say there's millions of people here. One of the things I felt, and then if we think of Stephanie's talk, where she was talking about data and yes. how, and even Yamini talking about so much time is spent trying to clean data. I kind of feel some of these communities, they get millions of people that don't keep their things updated and their noise. And like, so you've just got so much noise Mm -hmm. in these communities that are large that you're actually having another data problem all over again. So I'd be interested to see how they kind of manage that. How do you keep it a community and not just a a noisy, out-of-date collection of, of people?
0: That's right. And also I would say to you is that essentially they're building a community not on
1: rented land but on their own land, right? So that's another – But that's great for HubSpot. Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah, first-party data and all of that. Correct. Which nicely leads on to (laughs) – Yeah, let's finish with a few quick takeaways. Uh, I haven't seen these sessions. Uh, Oh, no, this was from – yeah, let's talk about privacy. Yep. The first thing I wanted to say
0: is that one of the things that cropped up in Yameni's keynote was privacy. And she said, privacy is queen, right? And with this whole move to first party data and what's happening with cookies, this is a key part of it. So she mentioned it. She even showed a photo how when Apple talks about privacy, they, they, they really make a big point about it in all of their keynotes when they launch products, how important privacy is no matter what product it is. So I think that's a really key aspect. So she mentioned it. And then not long after she mentioned it, one of the very first sessions was a session from Google about privacy and and data and understanding Google's role in that. And so it was really interesting. It's about having everything in line to maximize because as things change, it does get harder. So, you know, like we talk to our customers on a HubSpot coaching where we say, you need to have all these things connected. We need to have the data flowing in to get attribution, right? And get attribution reporting. Now, if we don't have this data flowing in or there are holes in the data, we get holes in attribution. And I think there was a real driver to, A, use the right tools, make sure you've got everything in place so you can get the data in to maximize your marketing and your advertising and your sales and having that data in place. And it was one of the very first sessions. So I thought that that definitely had something important in it. The next one that I thought was really great, and, you know, you and me alike, we both really enjoy and love Brian. And it was his leadership lessons. And it was with Danny Hertzberg. And she actually was at HubSpot. I think Brian actually hired her. She was one of the first hires in sales, what I believe. But it was such a good conversation. Like I love listening to Brian and I know you do too. And there were some really interesting things about his journey, what's happened, where he sees things going. And actually one of the really interesting final questions that someone asked or I think maybe someone had asked that she put to him is like, what's something that we use or do now that when we look back maybe in 10 years time, we think what, what were we doing, right? And he mentioned it's office buildings. Like office buildings, the way we view it now is not going to be like it is in 10 years' time. And I thought that was really interesting for Brian to say that.
1: I won't say too much about this, but just uh, I I, echo what you said. I I just love Brian. And he's such a thoughtful, um, generous person, I feel. Correct. And he's gone through a very life affecting situation Mm. with his snowmobile accident and his recovery from it. And he's got perspective that few people have. And I thought this Correct. was a very special yeah. conversation. I really enjoyed it. I have to say it's the only one I didn't watch on Speed. Yes. <laughs> I watched it in real time and I just enjoyed it. And by the way, credit goes to Danny for the way she did interview him as well. It's very hard to interview people and bring out really personal pieces and I thought she yeah. did an excellent job and he was, he was very good.
0: So listeners... My takeaway from this is that make sure you go and watch that interview and there's a link in the show notes to it, which you'll have to register for, but it is so worthwhile listening to it. And it's one that I'm going to listen to it again, Craig. And then a final one, which is uh, from one of our much loved other partners, Marcus Sheridan. And it said, what's next? The seller-free economy and the future of sales and marketing as we know it. This was a great presentation, which I listened to and then ended up uh, buying his revised book to have a listen. So I have to say that it was a great presentation, really clear, very actionable. There were five key takeaways from his. One of them was, you know, you must be willing to talk about what others don't talk about in your space. You must be willing to show what others don't show in your space. And you must be willing to sell in a way that others won't sell in your space. So those were three. There are five other ones that we can talk about later. But those are really key things in that. So,
1: Marcus Sheridan, here is a speaker at the top of his game. So I know a lot of the speakers at Inbound were good, but Marcus is just, he is just up there. hes I just watched him to learn how to present. I just think, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, well done. All right. And then
0: finally, I thought this is really good. And this is in um, in Damesh's um, keynote. And he was talking about, dreaming big, but iterating small. And I think HubSpot definitely live up to this in terms of dreaming big and iterating small. And that's why we see so many product updates and we see so many things happen in a timely fashion. So I think we can all learn from this in terms of having a big dream, but thinking about what are those iterations to get to that dream. And if you do get a chance to listen to, it was it was another interview, and I don't know whether it's actually gone onto the on-demand Craig, but he was interviewed by the guys that started The Hustle, I think it was. He was talking about how there were things that Damesh, when they started, he didn't want to do, right? And I think Brian knew that and said, okay, well, you don't want to manage people? That's fine. You don't have to manage people. And he goes, the one thing you're not going to get out of is actually presenting or being on stage and talking about HubSpot and about the product, right? And so he had to be good at breaking it down. And so he actually described, he goes, I was terrified, but I went, okay, well, if I need to be good at this, what do I do? How do I break this down? And he said little things like, I learned what good copy is. I read a lot. I, you know, analyzed what people did when they spoke. He even wrote a Python program to actually measure when people laugh. So what happens, he, he often does it. He then presents his presentation on Zoom to a few people. He then gets it transcribed. Then he goes through and then wherever he finds that people laugh, he puts a hashtag laugh, I think, in there. He's then got a Python protein that goes and measures the time between each laugh. And he goes, if that's too long, then he has to insert another story where it gets people interacting in. So here's somebody who's gone through an immense learning to break down this big thing that he was after into these little chunks that have actually made him a better presenter. And and we see that over time, we've watched Damesh over many, many years present and we see his progression, right? Mm. And so I just thought it was such a good story in his journey on this one little thing that we can often take for granted. We can be very critical of people and say, oh, that was really ordinary. But how much did we prepare? How much did they prepare just to get to this stage? And we often forget, and so we should be grateful and thankful that a people are sharing their knowledge with us, mm. and b the effort that they've taken to deliver it to us.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, uh, the amount of effort gone in. And but but by the way, Damash, king of the dad joke. <laughs>
0: yes. <Yeah.
1: laughs> Sorry, Dad. Worth, worth watching just for the dad jokes alone. So yeah,
0: that's right. And there you have it, listeners. That is a little recap of Inbound virtually and and not there. So we hope you enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend some of those um, sessions to go and watch it. But if you do have any questions, by all means, please reach out to us. Leave a note in the comments below and we will get back to you. Well, until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Anne. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.